today on the Word Preacher Podcast. A revelation for the shakers, deceivers in the church, and the light of the Lord. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Word Preacher Podcast. Our Come Follow Me material for this coming week will be sections 49 and 50 in the Doctrine and Covenants. Section 49 was given uh, to address the teachings of a church called the United Society of Believers in Christ's Second Coming. The nickname that they were given was the Shakers uh, because of how they behaved in their worship services or shaking Quakers. Some of their beliefs involved that the second coming had already occurred and that Jesus had come in the form of a woman, uh, one of their founders, Anne Lee. Uh, They also did not consider baptism necessary, but they said that marriage was a crime. It was forbidden. Uh, And many of them forbade the eating of meat. Um, So, With a church set up with these strict rules, individuals in these congregations were obviously already first Christian. They did believe in Jesus Christ. And two, they were willing to live commandments that require personal sacrifice. Um, These are laudable pieces of them. I mean, some of the doctrine was, was clearly incorrect, But the people certainly had the makings of becoming very good members of the true Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, The Lord revealed a very plain invitation in section 49, um, which indicated that the things that they were doing were not correct, and that they could repent and come to him. Uh, I'm not going to read through section 49. I encourage you to study that individually and with your family. I'd like to talk about how it was delivered. Parley P. Pratt, Sidney Rigdon, and uh, Lemon, I don't know how to say his name, Lemon Copley. Uh, he was a former Shaker himself. Uh, they were assigned to go to a congregation near Cleveland. Um, The way in which this revelation, this section, was delivered to them, uh, there are some details about that in Revelations in Context in the Gospel Library. It's actually an entertaining story, and I'd like to uh, go over that. Here it is. The next morning, Kitchell proposed to Rigdon and Copley that neither side should, quote, force their doctrine on the other at this time. Rigdon had planned to read the revelation to the Shakers at their Sabbath service that day, but decided to keep his peace for the moment and, quote, subject himself to the order of the place. Just before the meeting began, Parley P. Pratt arrived at North Union on horseback. Upon hearing of Rigdon's submissive response to Kitchell's proposal, the fiery Pratt insisted they, quote, pay no attention to him, for they had come with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and the people must hear it. The missionary sat in silence until the meeting was complete. As the people stood to leave, Rigdon arose and stated that he had a message from the Lord Jesus Christ to this people. Could he have the privilege of delivering it? With Kitchell's permission, he read the revelation in its entirety and asked if they might be allowed to continue preaching as the revelation dictated. Kitchell, keeping his indignation in check, responded that he did not accept the message and would release them and their Christ from any further burden about us and take all the responsibility upon myself. Rigdon countered, This you cannot do. I wish to hear the people speak. But when Kitchell allowed others, to pres others present to speak their minds, they too affirmed that they were fully satisfied with what they had. Rigdon stoically set the revelation aside, resigned that their mission had been unfruitful. Pratt, on the other hand, was not finished so easily. He arose, Kitchell recounted, and shook the dust from his coattail as a testimony against us that we had rejected the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, in so doing, Pratt was following Jesus' injunction to his uh, disciples in the Gospels. But Kitchell would not tolerate it. His forbearance at its limit, the Shaker leader denounced Pratt in full sight of his congregation, saying, quote, You filthy beast, dare you presume to come in here and try to imitate a man of God by shaking your filthy tail, confess your sins and purge your soul from your lusts and your other abominations before you ever presume to do the like again. Kitchell then turned his wrath to Copley, who had begun weeping, and gave this stinging rebuke. You hypocrite! You knew better! You knew where the living work of God was, but for the sake of indulgence, you could consent to deceive yourself. Um, there are some passages and revelations and context that talk about the the aftermath of that, but I'll close at that point um, and talk about some of the some of the different conclusions that we can draw from this exchange. Would Sydney's more mild approach uh, have been successful had he not kind of given in to partly saying we're we're going to deliver this? We have the the authority of the the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to do exactly what we were commanded to do. Had he you know kind of used his approach, we're going to be content with the order of the place and then see if we can grow in our friendship and see if they'll be open to something. Well, unlikely that that would have changed. It really is unlikely. The people were satisfied with what they had. So was Parley out of line for his boldness? Was Elder Pratt out of line? Well, no more than other prophets throughout the scriptures who have invited individuals to repent in plain speech. Now, uh, another thing to look uh, at the result was uh, Brother Copley, who had previously been a shaker, and he was really shaken up by this. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, tragically, he eventually left the church. He he stayed in Ohio. He he was not able to reconcile these differences and he could not stay in the church. 
So in the end, Elder Pratt, Parley P. Pratt was absolutely right. He did have the authority of and a message from Jesus Christ. And just as Jesus said of his disciples, his sheep know his voice. That's really important because if you receive correction or some other message from a prophet or apostle, and the person who delivers it is bold, it might be difficult for you to receive. But if you'll take a moment and honestly consider the correction spoken by the Lord's messengers, even if it contradicts your political or your social beliefs or your opinions about etiquette and protocol, about tone and manners, if you heed the, their words, you will find greater clarity and opportunity to increase your happiness and to improve yourself. If we look at the actual results of these congregations, I think it's also very telling. Today, the vast majority of Shaker communities are now museums. There's like one that's still clinging to something in, up in Maine. Whereas the Church of Jesus Christ is fulfilling prophecies and growing in a way that is consistent with the ancient faith of Jesus Christ. All right, let's move on and talk about deceivers in the church. This is in section 50, verses 4 through 9. Behold, I the Lord have looked upon you and have seen the abominations in the church that profess my name. But blessed are they who are faithful and endure, whether in life or in death, for they shall inherit eternal life. But woe unto them that are deceivers and hypocrites, for thus saith the Lord, I will bring them to judgment. Behold, verily I say unto you, there are hypocrites among you who have deceived some, which has given the adversary power. But behold, such shall be reclaimed, but the hypocrites shall be detected and shall be cut off, either in life or in death, even as I will. And woe unto them who are cut off from my church, for the same are overcome of the world. Wherefore, let every man beware, lest he do that which is not in truth and righteousness before me. All right. So frequently, as we think about church history, as particularly modern members of the church, uh, there's a tendency to imagine these early members as true saints, noble pioneers, pilgrims in a society that hated and relentlessly persecuted them, unjustly driving them from their homes when they were guilty of nothing. Now, it is true that there was absolutely great faith among many early members of the church, people who were willing to sacrifice much, more than perhaps modern members in many cases are, to build the kingdom of God. But just as it was today, uh, and as it was before this, the worst enemies of the kingdom of God are rarely those outside the church, 
They are those within. They are the hypocrites and deceivers. Those who want to affect change in the church can view themselves as being the righteous ones, uh, you know, out of, quote, concern, even perhaps for marginalized communities. They are willing to berate and misrepresent prophets and apostles. These individuals are quick to show visual and public support for a cause, but frequently they're very slow to personally contribute or to privately assist for the same cause that they claim to revere. But, you know, change my profile picture? You bet. Help you move or bring you a meal? Eh, maybe not. But I'll raise awareness for you. Um, this is kind of the attitude that we're talking about. These are hypocrites, people who in one face portray themselves as valiant and righteous and the church leaders as not. Uh, and in, in actual practice, the church leaders are tending to do more to help other people than these concerned trolls. The prophets and apostles, most importantly, have a responsibility to serve Jesus Christ. And his love is absolutely extended to all the children of God everywhere. Consider that maybe he knows how best to help his children when he sends his prophets with a particular message. The warning of God is also to every man. That last verse in our reading uh, section 50, verse 9. Let every man beware, lest he do that which is not in truth and righteousness before me. That's a really important phrase. It's critical to us understanding how to combat evil influences. Because it's not just that other guy, that one guy that you know who's out of line. It could be you. Each of us are capable of hypocrisy and deception. The humble man, before advocating for changes in policy that may affect many people, seeks to change themselves. The humble man is as one of the 11 apostles at the Last Supper, who, when Jesus warned that one of the 12 would betray him, each asked, Lord, is it I? Sincerely wondering and worrying and realizing that they were capable of doing wrong if they were not very careful before worrying about, oh, I think it's you, or I think it's you, or you're looking pretty sus. Um, just like people who become angry and frustrated with Joseph and Brigham in pioneer times, or people who became angry and frustrated with Isaiah or Elijah or Moses or Jeremiah or Paul or Peter, consider the possibility that you might need to change before demanding that the prophets do something different. All right, let's talk briefly about the light of the Lord. As we continue our reading in section 50, we're going to verses 21 through 24. 
Therefore, why is it that ye cannot understand and know that he that receiveth the word by the Spirit of truth receiveth it as it is preached by the Spirit of truth? Wherefore, he that preacheth and he that receiveth understand one another, and both are edified and rejoice together, and that which does not edify is not of God and is darkness. That which is of God is light, and he that receiveth light and continueth in God receiveth more light, and that light groweth brighter and brighter until the perfect day. So as we think about the symbolism that's used by the Lord here, obviously light is required for people to see things. The, the eye does not generate light, it interprets light that comes in, which means without any light, there is blindness. And with blindness in the dark, it is obviously more difficult to perceive the truth. This is certainly part of the reason that the Apostle John taught that Christ is the light of the world that shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Because living without truth, people can be persuaded to believe many things that are not true. And when light comes and expectations do not match reality, this creates a situation that is very difficult to comprehend. So how do we receive light? Now, this is important. Sometimes light is a soothing thing, a flash of understanding that can help a person to realize the truth that can empower them to act or to be more effective in how they act. Uh, an increase of understanding can be an empowering feeling. But sometimes when light comes, it can be uncomfortably blinding, a realization that we were wrong, uh, which can cause us to feel embarrassed or ashamed. But if you use that sense to correct your behaviors, to continue in light instead of rejecting it, to turn to Christ, he has power to remove the shame that we feel and replace it with that sweet feeling of forgiveness. As Paul observed, darkness kind of affects everyone. He said, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know only in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. This idea is important because the more we observe, the more we realize how little we understand. You get flashes of light that illuminate many, many things, and you realize it's much bigger than we might have understood previously. Now, because there's so much that we don't understand, the hope is that this should inspire us to be merciful to one another to cooperate one with another, to share truth, particularly trustworthy sources of truth, such as prophets, apostles, and scriptures. 
as we slowly adjust to the light that we have received and act appropriately according to what we are now able to perceive in that light, we can receive more light and progress toward a perfect day. In the end, getting by in darkness is never going to work. The perfect day is inevitable, in which all truth will be understood. And so it's absolutely vital we remove elements of hypocrisy and deception from our behavior, particularly before we try and change others. Be willing to receive correction that improves us, even if that correction is bold and plain and maybe even hard to hear. As we do, we will move closer and closer to the Lord who is full of light and truth. We appreciate all the support for the Word Preacher podcast. Next week, we will look at sections 51 through 57, discussing the building of Zion. Of course, there's a ton we did not cover in this week's reading. Please study that individually and with your family. And as always, fight on.